Welcome to the evolution of culture, hustle culture, which has naturally played itself out. Welcome to the Hustle Culture Hater Club Podcast. We don't glamorize hustle. We promote empowerment over exhaustion. Your life, your biz, your rules. And now your host, Heather Kehoe, bringing F-bombs and truth bombs. This is the Hustle Culture Hater Club. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hustle Culture Hater Club podcast. And I love having guests on. And today's guest is somebody who she has been through a lot. She's one of those people that honestly, if she said, I'm just going to lay down and never get up, um, I wouldn't blame her. And her story is absolutely inspiring for anybody who has gone through um, you know, everything from abuse to, you know, losing a child. And um, I just, I needed to have her on here to tell her story of how she has moved through things and how she is helping others. And um, she has been a friend of mine for many, many, many years. <laughs> Makes us sound mm-hmm. old, but um, Melanie Friesen, welcome, welcome. How are you? Great. Thanks. I'm so honored and so excited to be here. Yes. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. Um, So we, you know, it's a a little bit about about you is, I mean, you've kind of gone through different work channels, things like that. But right now, um, and it's, I've been watching you online. Um, You are like a business owner, entrepreneur for a company, a natural health company called Trenant. So just yeah. tell me a little bit about it. Give me a close note. Yeah, totally. Um, Trinant is a, um, a, it's a multi-level marketing thing, which I've never um, fully embraced or knew the benefits of because everybody kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of bends their neck and rolls their eyes sort of thing. But um, uh, I was always interested in trying it but there was never anything that I was so passionate about that pulled mm-hmm. me in and so uh, they had a lot of um and through my own trauma like stress makes you sick mm-hmm. so I decided that I'm on way too many medications here this can't be good and how can I get off this um and get my body healthy and and putting in quality uh quality ingredients into my body for the best outcome so I can function better. So uh, then I started with uh, Trinant, um, uh and it's, uh, it's really, it's really changed my life. And I just, I love helping people and I hate when people have to suffer. Yeah. So I love that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know this, I have this that can work for you. And then they try it and they're like, uh, my life has changed. And it just yeah. makes me feel so good. I feel like yeah. I helped to make their life better. So yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, in the show notes, um, we'll definitely drop your um, business info and how yeah. people get a hold of you and all that fun stuff. So let's go back, shall we? Um, yeah. How we met actually through my ex-husband. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his heart. I highly doubt he's listening. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it it was funny because I think it w- it would have been at a ten year 
was it a 10 year reunion? 10 year reunion. Yeah. It was our first reunion at a high school. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was, yeah. sh- I was coming in with one of the popular boys from high yes, school. Yeah. So, um, it's funny because I remember that, right? I remember in knowing mostly I knew like a couple guys and didn't really know the girls, right? right. So as an outside girl, you're like, oh God, what are these bitches going to say? <laughs> I had no idea who you were. I thought I don't even recognize her. Like, is she from the States or where does she come from? <laughs> Where's this exotic creature? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. But yeah, yeah we had, uh, yeah, we, I think closed, we closed down the reunion that night. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. You want to hear my perspective on that? I do. I do. <laughs> Let story. Me I remember just being sitting at, at the long tables that they had set up and, you know, all us, um, you know, popular girls, we were all, yes. you know, we're all, everybody sits in their cliques, right? And yeah. Kyle walks in and we're like, oh, it's Kyle. Oh, what's, oh, who's Kyle marrying? Who's, what's she about? You know, we're, we're curious because, like I said, you didn't even look familiar. Usually yeah. it's like, oh, I married so-and-so from high school. And you just kind of walked in and surveyed the room. You know, you looked pleasant on the face. You didn't have a bitch look on. You just surveyed the room. You looked very confident. And you're kind of figuring out where the vibe was, where you yeah, were going to go yeah. first. Yeah. And uh, you came in and, and, of course, Kyle and you came over to our table. And uh, you just kind of had this look of confidence. It wasn't an ego. It was a confidence. And it was like, a, are you all going to be my bitches tonight? You want to fuck shit up? And we were just looked at you like, we don't know who she is or where she's from, but we are going with her wherever she goes, we go. And you were like our leader that night. And Heather went to the bathroom, we were going because there was going to be a party in the bathroom and totally. some stuff was going to happen in there. Oh and gosh. the whole night was just awesome. And then, yeah, we never let you go. We, we were yeah. just like, we have to hang on to this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so fun. It was so fun. But yeah. So then, Oh man, there were so many changes going on, right? Like people getting married and um, oh, and kids. having kids and all that shit. And we'd run into each other and then you wouldn't. And then, um, you know, I, I guess reconnection too comes a lot through social media. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to I want to really, really talk about, you know, like your journey from, um, I mean, when I read through your, you know, your story. And it's like, I knew some things, but holy shit. I, I, I we like, you need to write a book. I could, mama said that many times. I said, yeah. You know what? It's, it's not real. It's not really inspiring just yet. This was years ago. And I'm like, maybe one day, but it's not funny. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But, it, but you will, you will. Um, so let's go back to kind of, um, you know, growing up, let's start with like that growing up in your household, because what I think is so, so important to know. Um, and even though, you know, it's, I talk a lot about hustle culture. Um, we, we get caught up in that. Like people just think about that from a work perspective, but it it's a life perspective too, right? When we get consumed, consumed by, money or lack of money or, you know, are we enough? Right. And we buy into this whole, um, you know, the insecurities and it's all like, it all just wraps into that, that hustle of trying to be something that we're really not. And that comes from, you know, most of the time from growing up. Right. And I want to call it like generations of 
belief systems that aren't even ours. And so I want to go back to, you know, you growing up and just kind of touching on some of the stuff that you have gone through, because I know me reading that I was like, when I, when I, when I said like, honestly, people, if you laid down tomorrow and you're like, just I'm done, like, I would be like, I get it. Right. But you, you have moved through so many things and without like that victim mentality, right. That never like poor me, look at me. Um, And I mean, you have gone through, I would have to say what I, you know, as a mother, what would be your absolutely worst nightmare is, is losing a child. Right. And you were never that poor me. Look, you, you took that into, okay, how can I now help others? Right. And get that, that message out there of what I need to share to prevent this from happening. And, and I love that you're so open about it because some people would just they would be really closed off. And I feel because you've done so much work on yourself that that is why you are more vulnerable. Right. And that's yeah. where people connect with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's, let's kind of go back to, you know, tell me a bit about growing up. Cause I think it's super important. People know that, that kind of family life that you grew up in, right. And where kind of things started. Well, I, um, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, my, my dad was um, a really bad alcoholic, and so was my grandfather. So, and um, knowing a bit about my dad's story, I understand, um, you know, his that he was just living out his trauma. Um, but there was so there was a lot of alcoholism and a lot of um, just you know pure chaos. Um, you know, lots of suicidal attempts and uh, chaos in the house that my mom was always scrambling to protect us from and trying to. Uh, keep life afloat while my dad was uh, tearing it down faster than she could put it together. And um, um, just, just a witness to a lot of traumatic, a lot of, a lot of pain and hurt and ridiculous things um, of hurting my mom. And, and so um, uh, moved through that at the time, you don't know it's not normal. You're just a kid and you're like, well, gee, this is like, this is horrendous, yeah. but you don't know it at the time. So you just kind of block it off as whatever, this is just growing up and I'm moving on. And, um, you kind of take that with you and you don't properly digest it. I think, I think you, um, you take it for what it is as a child and it, 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 it grows kind of inside you and changes in different ways. And it comes out later in your life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just life, right? We don't know as kids, we need the help until bad stuff starts happening. And we're like, whoa, let's rip this apart and see what's happening here. Yeah. So, um, uh, so then, um, uh, yeah, when, when I was younger than my mom, uh, we had a gas leak in our home that was undetected for a long time. And my mom was in the home the most because we left for school and dad left for work. So mom almost died. So, I mean, mom was down to 80 pounds and, uh, just a skeleton and she almost died until her best friend had come over and said, you know, I think you guys got a gas leak here. And so she saved our lives, lives, right? Because who knows? And and they said, if you would have lit a match near that, which everyone smoked back in the eighties, the whole place would have went up. So, um, so that was something there. And, um, you know, we got through through that and and moved in and uh, moved back to the city. We lived out a little bit out of town and, um, 
um, yeah, so just had some stuff. Met my husband. Um, I, I I really had a fairy tale marriage. I say for eight years, um, and loved my husband. And honestly, thought it was going to be forever. And uh, I was just so happy. I remember doing a little dance at our wedding after this. I was just so excited to have found. Like I thought, if I never love again, yeah, I will still be lucky. Yeah. Um, however, it. It, I wasn't supposed to be divorced and there was nothing that could have prepared me for what happened there. So the infidelity, um, I am a, I'm a Taurus. So I'm, I am ridiculously loyal yeah. and, and faithful and, and stubborn. Oh. <laughs> 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 a, little, a little bit, a little bit stubborn. Um, and so what I'm like, no, I'm married. Uh, I, I'm staying married. We are doing this. So, uh, we worked through a couple of infidelities and then I just said, listen, dude, like, you know, um, if you're going to do this, like if you pull this crap again and I'm leaving on principle because this is not what I signed up for. And this is not what I'm going to show my children what love is. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, finally it had been broken down and I had enough. I'd been as patient as I could. And I said, that's, you know, um, I can't do this alone. We had our second child. I can't do this alone. I feel like I'm doing this alone. Um, and later on, we said, well, I didn't really want cash. I'm like, well, I appreciate you sharing that because now I don't feel crazy. Right. Uh, because I'm glad he's here, but um, I didn't really want him. I'm like, well, that's funny because I'm pretty sure it was you I had the conversation with about having a baby, a second baby, right? So anyway, um, I was not prepared for the trauma of uh, walking away from a narcissist um, uh, very definitely, um, they they will make you pay for that. And he oh, made yeah. sure my life was never going to be as good as it was with him. Yeah. And him and his new girlfriend that he had very early on made sure of that. Um, it caused us so much trauma. It was a 10-year battle. I actually thought in my mind, I thought, would it be great if we could have Sunday dinners like once a month with our kids yeah. and mom and dad and me, and we could just all be friends and, and, and show our kids how great it is to, um, that you cannot get along with someone. Mm-hmm. You can have a vested interest, which is now the children in basically a business relationship. Yeah. We have a vested interest in making this great. And I was the only one who felt that way. <laughs> so um, it, it was uh, very nasty. My kids uh, through 10 years, um, uh, um, um, just really struggled with their mm-hmm. dad's animosity to me. And, um, uh, so when I saw them suffering and they said, we don't want to go back there and they're crying at that. I said, that's it. I can fix this. Yeah. I want to be a rough ride guys. I can do this. And at that point I knew that I had to stand up for my children. They were looking at me pleading with me yeah. to stand up them and do something to protect them and I didn't want to because I knew how much work it would be I'm already mm-hmm. working I'm single mom you know with the boys trying to manage everything so I went to a lawyer um, because he ch- stopped paying child support and just was pulling all this stuff and so um, I got a lawyer and I got a second job and um, you know it cost me about fifty thousand dollars but I have the best lawyer and I got those children and I got them safe um and uh that to me and and I just made him pay for what was right I didn't anything more than just money for the children and just to stop the madness for them yeah 
that took a lot out of me. That was years of that. And then, so by 2017, I think it was uh, July, I finally got uh, custody of them and we yes. just felt a relief. Like, yeah. Cause uh, how old were the kids at that time? At that time they were like, um, grade when, when I finally got custody of them, oh, I guess they were like 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. Megan was 12. The oldest was 12 maybe. And Cash was about t- t- 10, eight, eight, eight or nine, somewhere in there. Yeah. I remember. Um, but they were young enough and not old enough to choose. So I yeah. was grateful and it was worth every penny. But, uh, you know, we, we struggled. We uh, had to do a bankruptcy on the house. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a couple times we had to go to the food bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, But um, uh, these are just little things to help you along until you can... For I didn't sure. care. I was moving forward. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to show my kids how you go through this stuff and yeah. you just keep going. Yeah. So um, it, it created a lot of trauma for me, you know, a lot of uh, nights, um, you know, just, just to have been married and have just to have fully loved and given myself to someone and had children with them and had been so good to them to be treated so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand how he could do that to me and to his own children. It it confused and hurt me on a whole other level. So clenching started at night, broken teeth, not breathing in my sleep. I was tested for sleep apnea twice. Um, I just wasn't sleeping well. Finally, I've broken four night guards. Um, And just just too much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work my way up the, um, the ladder to an executive position so I can not rely on him for child support and I can just do it on my own. Right. Managing kids and, you know, growing up boys and emergency mm-hmm. and all those stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was, ex- I was purely exhausted to my core, but I thought you just have to keep going because sure. your children are worth it. Yeah. So, um, uh, um, yeah, so that was all of that. And, um, we, we, we thought we're, we're relieved. Like we're, we went through the worst of it and I got to an executive level in the health authority, which is what I really dreamed of. I wanted to mm-hmm. get to the top so I could see who these people are. And yeah, I wanted to see how the whole top and I really love looking after people I love supporting people so I'm like the best admin assistant yeah so that was where I thrived on yeah and I loved my job took a lot of pride in it but I thought I was doing really good um uh, uh Magnum had a lot of anger from just issues of not having his dad he's very aware of things mm-hmm. that went on he had a lot of anger Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, a, you know, I, I, uh, I bought a new home and, um, he was wrecking it and everything with his temper tantrums. And I, I didn't know what to do because yeah. I couldn't go home anymore. Yeah. Um, um, it was very upsetting for cash to see that, um, mm-hmm. because him and I would have to physically fight, right. To kind of right. Control, which is why I stayed in good shape the whole time I was like, I got two boys. I, I'm up against the wall. Like I, I need to be able, like, I'm only five feet tall. They're in grade eight for tall. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta have something. So it really destructive. He went through a lot of hard times that I just didn't know how to help him with. Um, mm-hmm. And just, and you were working that still the two jobs, right? 
Um, at that time, no, no, I had paid. Okay. Um, yeah, I had. Were, I was done. Yeah. Just done, and I felt like we went through the worst. I thought, okay, yeah. I've got this executive position. I've got my kids. Right. Um, right. One job. We're finally going to live a life that's in our control, right? Right. And um, but in the meantime, having to pay the lawyer all that money, we weren't able to do the things like take the kids on trips. Right. We, had to do a lot of at-home stuff. We didn't get to do a lot of fun stuff like that, but I thought we will, we'll still have time for it. Um, uh, so fast forward, just going along our business, uh, uh, thinking life is great and, and building a good life and um, COVID comes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're sent home, we're working from home. I'm like, great, I can be near my kids. Yeah. my job from home. Yeah. Um, that just... At that time that that happened, uh, about six months before, Cash just started getting into just trying things that, I mean, and Cash was not the person to just try a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of marijuana. He was Mm. like, no, I'll have the whole bottle. All or nothing. Yeah. That's great. So he learned his lessons a few times and I was like, dude, like. And he was how old at that time? He was uh, 12 at that time. Yeah. Uh, 11, like 12. And so he was just starting to kind of experiment yeah. with all this stuff. And he was, well, yeah. And a super, like, you know, I think what people need to understand, like there is no male figure happening here. Right. Um, and I, I don't care what anybody says, like they, the boys need some sort of stable male figure in their life, right? It's mom can only be so much. We don't understand all those things. Right. And then um, they're witnessing how their dad is. Right. And they almost begin, like, we almost begin to think that shit's normal because we've, that's all we've known. Right. Like, so growing up in abuse is like a lot of times then that's just the expectation. Right. And kids learn what they live right so the anger from magnum it was like well that's what he sees right that's what he sees from his dad and so how else is he supposed to react plus they have no like outlet right of how to how to you know get rid of this energy and things like that and i I think that's what people don't understand they're like well why don't they just discipline them it's like it has nothing to do with that shit Okay, it is like almost embedded into their brains um, that that is just that's just normal, right? It's like unlearning all of the shit that that you've been taught that wasn't even your shit. And and what kind of father? Like what kind of dad? Why are there so many other dads present in other kids' lives who treat their kids like like they should, mm-hmm. and they're present for them? And why did their dad do everything that they could to make sure their life sucked and yeah. to make their mom suffer? So they watched me suffer. I remember putting Cash to bed one night, and he was about seven, and he'd be crying, and be like, "Well, what's wrong, buddy?" And he'd be like, "I, I just feel so bad for you, mom." I uh, you have to do everything on your own and you're so tired and exhausted. And I wish, I wish you had someone who could help you. And I just, I said, well, that's okay, buddy. Like, not like, don't even worry about that. We got this tomorrow's a new day. 
and get some sleep. Hey, we'll be getting cash slept in my bed um, for a long time, probably until he was about 11, mm-hmm. when he realized that, I don't know if I'm supposed to be sleeping <laughs> in my mom's bed, and but he's always done it. And yeah. so he started sleeping on my floor beside my bed, felt safe with yeah. me. Yeah. Do what you need, buddy. Yeah. And they go to his bed and they'd end up in my bed. And then slowly he transitioned to his own room. And, and so, so, um, so when uh, he's a very active skateboarder, and uh, I always taught my kids that like physical activity is huge. It's yes. not for fitness, it is for mental health. It's important. And um, so Cash took into skateboarding. Uh, his dad was into skateboarding, and that was an outlet for him. Mm-hmm. However, up until that point of about the age of 11, they didn't have many activities they could be in because their dad would not work with me or, or mm-hmm. fund it. Right. So how can you put two boys in hockey if on your own? Like, I don't have anyone to drive back and forth. So they missed out on some opportunities for sure. But, you know... I still think they had a, a pretty decent life. It was just these other things that crept in and then COVID. Right. So COVID happened. I got COVID in the middle of January, which don't know how. Um, mm-hmm. The only time I'd left was to go to the mall to get Magnum a shirt for grad that year. And we took off our masks to eat in the food court. Well, I guess, which confused me. I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess we can take off our mask. The virus knows not to go in the food court. No, but they, they, it, it knows. It knows. knows. Okay. So I'm like, all right. That's a so, whole other podcast. Yeah, it's a whole other podcast. So I just stayed in my room and um, it, but that was hard for cash because cash was really close to me and needed guidance. Yeah. Um, I had brought my niece who was uh, suffering from drug addiction. And um, a father, I mean, her father to her children was not present. And um, I brought her to live with me because I thought I don't have money, extra money to save anyone, but I have a, a safe home. Yeah. And so you can come here. So the house was chaotic, yeah. but I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. So um, at, at this time at all, did it ever, ever occur to you? Okay, I see somewhat of a pattern here, right? That I'm wanting to save everybody else, but not saving myself, right? And it's it as a as a woman that is so typical. But for you, it's like that extreme because you have gone through up until this time, and we haven't even got to like holy smokers, right? But it's like you have went through so much. And when I say trauma, like a lot of people are just like trauma. They think of like this catastrophic, like car accident or, you know, it, it has to be sexual abuse or it has to be like you were attempted murder. Right. And th- that is trauma, but trauma can be somebody just telling you how shitty you are every day. Right. And trauma is like unprocessed emotion that we just, we, we say we forgot about it and it doesn't matter, but it just, it just sits there. Right. And it like brews and brews and, and one day it will be triggered and you either a, I call it like, you know, whatever you want to call it, the dark night of the soul or the awakening or the mental breakdown or breakthrough or whatever, or you go the other way where it's like, I'm not dealing with it. I'm suppressing it with alcohol, drugs, gambling, workaholic, 
right? And so at this time, because listening to your story, I find it so interesting, right? Because it was like, okay, who can I, who can I save? Who can I help to avoid maybe helping me, right? Helping yourself. Oh God, if I could only know what I know now. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I think trauma is just a moment in time that affects you so deeply and you feel it for whatever reason you feel it makes you nauseous and it consumes your entire body but you have to keep you keep moving through it because you have to yeah because there's there's no time to cry and there's no time to break down because no one else has your back you're on your own Mm -hmm. and there's no time so you're like okay we're going to get to that one day but today we have to function and eventually it it comes out it stops you dead in your tracks so you choose Totally. Totally. So COVID during COVID, I mean, again, you're, you're doing this shit by yourself, right? You've already, you've got these two boys that are like, they've got their own shit. Right. And, and so now you've got the niece living with you. And the boy, the confusion for cash. I mean, people rely on structure. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so are we going to school today? Are we not? Right. Do we go to school or I'm at school? I don't feel good. Don't tell them no, because they'll clear the whole classroom. Oh, Christ, and they just yes. wipe everything down. Everyone will be staring at me. So um, it was just a really hard time for for a team, for kids to figure out what was happening in the world. And for Cash, he's a very sweet soul. He loves people to the core and he feels heavy emotion. I would not be surprised to say if he was an empath. He just feels confusion. He feels things deeply, but he didn't know how to process them. But skateboarding was his outlet. But it's February. It's January 2021. And it's minus 46 degrees. And I said, well, he comes downstairs on... um, Magnum had been throwing up blood and was quite ill for a few weeks and missed classes. So that night of February 6th, we got, I was at the island and my niece was cooking in the kitchen and the kids were around and Cash was in his room. Magnum was with me on the laptop and we felt so good. We were like, yes, we made it through this hard stuff. Um, we, um, we have your classes figured out so that you could still graduate. And we found him this job. Um, Magnum doesn't like to work with people. He's a real introvert mm-hmm. um, and he won't just settle for anything. He's like, I'm not working at McDonald's. I don't find joy in that. I don't think that's going to grow me. And yeah. it kind of pissed me off because I was like, Magnum, yeah. you are how years old. You will take whatever job you take and that's where you start. And then you dr- dreams come true for those who work while they dream. In yeah. my mind, right? This is yeah. the thing. He was, don't care, I'm not, not doing it. So I found the perfect job for him. We had it all set up and we applied. And he's like, okay, I'm going out with my friends for like 40 minutes. And they're going to get food. Of course, teenage boy. Yeah. So they leave for 40 minutes. And that was at, at about 7.20 p.m. So I just want to go back about an hour, you know, go back to the afternoon of Saturday, February 6th. About 3 p.m., Cash comes down and says, mom. Like, can we go? He loved thrift shopping. Like, he loved going to Value Village. He had such good style. Yeah. And he's like, I really want to go. I'm like, dude, oh my God. It's like minus 46. I think we need one more day, you know, before we can officially come out of our home, whatever that they called that. No, the isolation. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So I'm like, and I, I'm not quite feeling myself, but you know what? Auntie Kristen, who lived with us, I said, she is going to get some groceries. Maybe you could go with her. So he went upstairs, he got dressed, he's sitting by the front door and he's just down. I say, what's going on? And he goes, I don't think I want to go. I said, okay, well, you don't have to go. And he goes, he's just down. He goes, I want to go with you. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry, man. I said, could we plan for tomorrow? I said, I'm just, I'm really not feeling quite up to it, but we make a plan for tomorrow. I'll make sure that we're, you know, we're good for tomorrow. Okay. So he went upstairs and he, he uh, was in his room and, you know, you always knew when Cash was home. Mm-hmm. He was just loud. I mean, I'd be running up there all the time being like, Cash, like, what are you doing? He opened up his door this much. I'm fine. Like, yeah. What do you want? I'm like, okay, it's just noisy up here. Like, you good? Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, so 6 o'clock p.m., Kristen comes home with uh, uh, groceries. And so I said, can you come down, please, and help Auntie Kristen with groceries? He came down. He looked sad. You know, he just looked, like, empty. Yeah. He's just doing what he was told. And he says, can we work on my project, Mom? I said, absolutely. I'm just going to help your brother apply for this job. We're going to get this set. And then... I've got the glue gun here. We're ready to go. Yeah. So I message him at about 740. I'm like, hey, dude, you know, your brother just left. Um, ready. Like, come down. Let's, um, you know, let's do your project. And nothing. So Kristen and I continue talking while we're putting away groceries at the island and and just chatting, waiting for him to come down. And I realized he hasn't answered me. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, dude, you need to come down now. What's going on? Where are you? Then at about 8 p.m. 8 10 somewhere in there we hear like a bang, bang, bang actually four bangs on the wall and they were very intense they were bang, bang. and so I thought okay so he's lost a video game he's pissed off again and if he's putting a hole in my wall gah, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I've just about had it with holes in the wall so uh, oh, I was about to go up there so at any time sorry to interrupt but at any time right then did you have any sort of feeling like something isn't right? Or is this just, he's, he's just, he's just being cash, like banging shit up. Gut feeling, gut feeling was that's not right. It's coming from the wrong part of the room, but my body didn't acknowledge it because my head was spinning with so much. I was so exhausted all the time. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I knew it was a sign but what I do, and I made my friends go through this with me. I made a close friend go through this with me because I didn't go up right away. And I said, what if I would have ran up those stairs right away? But I always give him a chance. I knock on the door and say, I'm coming in, buddy. I mean, he's a, almost a 13-year-old boy. For sure. So I'm like, coming in, buddy. If you don't open up this door, I'm going to get the keys and I'm coming in. Usually by then, a quick and he yeah. just opened up the door. So that would have taken me about two minutes. Anyways, back to the island. I hear the pounding. And my niece says, yeah, that was weird. My gut feeling felt sick. Mm-hmm. As we're talking, I didn't go up. As I continue talking with Kristen, but listening with one ear, I can hear all kinds of other sounds, like pounding on the floor. Um, I thought, is he dancing? Is he doing a skateboard? What is he doing? I'm like, okay, like, I got to go up there now. So uh, he hasn't come down. Um, he's not responding to my text. So I went up there. And it was, I gave him all the two-minute warning. I'm coming in with keys. Mike got my keys. He didn't know nothing. I'm like, 
I go in and he had his red lights on, which is always what he had on for sleep. And so when I went in there, I thought, oh, when you go into the room, you go straight to your left where his bed is and his closet is over on the right. And I thought, oh, well, he's not even friggin' here. Well, how did he sneak out? Well, wait a minute. No, his door was locked. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. His phone is right here. I don't understand. Like, is he hide? Oh, okay. So he's hiding on me now. And then I thought, okay. Well, as I looked over to the right, I see him. And I think, oh, you're sleeping in the closet. You are the most random child I've ever had. Mm-hmm. It quickly dawns on me that he is hanging in the closet. Mm. And I can't breathe. I, in my mind, I'm like, that's okay. I turn on the light. I'm going to save my God. I'm like, get out of here. Good. If I, I grab him and I try to lift him up to get it off, get him up. I can't lift him. He is on the bottom bar. This is not a suicide. He's on the bottom bar. So I throw the lights on. I, I, I step over him on either side. His legs are now straight out on the floor. I step around him. He's got a belt around his neck and onto the bar. And it is tight, tight. I can't relieve it. I, um, I step around him and my feet step in cold and wet, which I, everything inside me died. I thought, oh my God, his body has, mm-hmm. he is gone. He can't mm-hmm. even be saved at this point. I let him go. I went into my bathroom in the master bathroom and I got the knife that we use for cutting cold medication in half. So I got that knife, which ironically, he said to me just two days before, mom, what are you going to cut with this knife? It's so dull. So he loved to sharpen knives. Mm -hmm. So that knife was there and I was only able to cut him down so clean and so quick because he sharpened it. Mm. I cut him down and I just let him drop and I dropped the knife and I just said, oh, we're doing this now. Is this what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Everything that I have done, this is what you're going to give me now. And everything I have survived, this is what I get for being a good person and doing it right mm-hmm. and not hurting others and doing everything that I can. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I called my niece and I said, Kristen, if you could phone 911, that'd be great. Now she came up. I had no emotion. I was done with this mm-hmm. life. I have given everything that I had to keep these children alive and to keep them well. And it's the only thing that I needed to do well. I was always had the presence of mind to say, you can fail at love. You might not be able to find your soulmate out there. You might not have the best job and you might not have it all together. The only, but you cannot go back and be a mom. Mm-hmm. You have to do this well. And I was like, I'm downstairs. I didn't feel nothing. I did not fall to the floor in a, in a pool of tears. I just called who I had to and said, this is what's happened. Um, looking back, I wish I would have gone up there and held him. One last time, but it was so horrifying. Mm-hmm. He had a belt around his neck. His tongue was hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> he was white and purple at that time. He'd been there maybe just under an hour, probably 45 minutes. 
And yeah, so they came and they took him away. And I, yeah. Well, the, sh- the shock, like the, I mean, I remember you sending me a text the following morning. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember that. And it was, it was just, it, it was, and again, I, I can't like, uh, we all think like, well, you know, if, if my child died, this is how I would react. No one, no one knows how you would react until it happens because it's the body goes into shock. The, it's surreal, right? It would be so surreal. And, and, you know, we often hear, well, I can't believe they were reacting like that. And I can't believe this. And it's like, holy shit. You know what? You have no idea. You have no fucking idea. Everybody reacts and responds so differently. And um, especially in something, you know, this wasn't a, okay, he was dying of cancer. It was expected. You mentally prepare right? For things like that. This was like just a night at home. And this is, this is what you, you know, you walk in on. And I do, I remember I I could go back in the text and it was, it was in the morning and you, you, it was just a very like cash passed away last night. And I was like, what? And I was driving and I remember calling you and you were very calm right and again but i feel like your body goes into this like how do you even pro- how do you even process it you can't accept it you have to go numb because yeah. you can't possibly you're not willing to accept or just you, you can't wrap your brain around it yeah it, it, it is uh it is a it's just shock and beyond i don't i don't have the words for it i don't i i I just don't. I and then thinking of thinking that he was seeing that he was on the bottom bar and like this is not suicide. Immediately, I started thinking about this. I'm like, how could this be? My niece messaged me right away and said, "Auntie, there is this thing out there called the choking game." I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like I don't know anything about this. She said, "Could this possibly be?" I said, "I don't know," but he was on TikTok for sure. So. Then it started, I started going back in my mind and about two weeks earlier, I remember he came downstairs and he had like this picky on the left side of his neck. And it happened, only after this happened did I realize that it looked like it had a straight line under the hooky, under the Mm -hmm. hickey. Only then did I realize that was not a hickey because I remember saying to Cash, "Uh, we don't do that. And Mm -hmm. if dating Annika now for four months and he right so we don't do that and if I say that again you won't see Annika and you won't leave the house so he goes settle down like I did it myself I'm like okay that's even crazier like so I'm thinking pinch hickey at this time I'm like that's even crazier why would you do that now fast forward to what I know about this kids are doing this for a high it's called a good kids high Cash had tried marijuana, alcohol, he'd gotten very sick. I had gotten very, me and his brother had gotten very angry at him for, he had said he had tried acid, he had tried um, 
all these other things. And he said, mom, you know, my head's never been right. Cash had said to me earlier, my head's just never felt right since I did the acid. And, and he called me from school one day saying, you know, he felt like he, you know, he wasn't there. What do you call that when you're there, but you're not there? Like things don't seem real. I forget what the name yeah, is. Yeah. Like, well, almost like a, in a fog, right? Like a brain a fog. fog. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so he had to come home and he just says, mom, like, like things are echoing in my head. People's voices are echoing in my head. So, and, and to back up to the night I found him, or actually the Friday night, he said, I said, how much medication do you have? He was on Vyvanse and he had been feeling really good on Vyvanse. It was really working for him. He was, you know, he was really ADHD. So, or ADD. And so we got him this new medication. He's like, mom, I feel great on this stuff like this. This, I feel normal. I feel like cash. I'm like, fantastic. Well, I said, how much do you have left? He goes, I've got two left. I'm like, holy crap, cash. That's like tonight and tomorrow. So Thursday and Friday night, I phoned the doctor multiple times Saturday morning mm-hmm. and I couldn't get through. It was busy. It's COVID. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Uh, no, pardon me. I went to the pharmacy on Friday night to pick up his medication. They said the doctor won't renew it until he sees them. Mm. I'm like, well, I got to get hold of the doctor. So I thought I'd call in the morning. I get an emergency uh, dose for Saturday, Sunday, whatever, until we could get in to see the doctor. I couldn't get through. I called three times and then the day went on and I forgot. Mm-hmm. So was it because he was out without that one pill? Was it because he'd been cooped up for so long away from friends and school because we had to isolate from right. Yeah whatever the hell that was. And um, he was just locked in his room too long by himself with his own thoughts. And then his girlfriend texts and says, I think we should take a break. Mm. So the last thing I remember seeing on his phone was he wrote in the fog on the window, she left and he had a motion picture of himself. Obviously he had been really crying. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing on his phone. I think he probably went just to try this suicide thing, just to feel it, to get the high from, you know, just mm-hmm. to, he was bored mm-hmm. and too much emotion and he couldn't go outside. You know, I said, well, why don't you go outside? And he goes, mom, it's, it's minus 50 something, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. you so I beat myself up about that all the time because I didn't go when I heard mm-hmm. the noise. And yes, I think I can say that I was, I was so exhausted, so overwhelmed with so much trauma and just trying to survive that I couldn't feel, I felt numb on a daily basis and I didn't, I didn't listen to those gut feelings. Mm -hmm. Only looking back, do I know? Yeah. So now, yeah. So that has been... How many years now? Well, it will be, it's been two and a half years. Two and a half. So tell me, I mean, again, I'm just like, you know, for you being here, it's just like, there is, you know, I always say we are all put here at a certain time for a certain reason, right? And to go through the shit that we go through as terrible as it is right and people whether you believe in god or whatever it's like okay like why why so many things right like why and and the loss of a child is just like how like 
how do I move forward? Because again, you still have a son, you still have another one, right? That it's like, and he's just there being like, holy shit, you know, my brother is now gone and I've got all this shit going on in my head, right? And you're attempting to deal with your feelings, your trauma. And it's just like, how to move forward, right? Like, how do you move forward and find like purpose, right? Because then you begin to question like, why the fuck am I here? Like, why am I here? Right. And it's, it's, I always say it's at that like crossroads, right? Where it either just everything just fucking crumbles. Right. And it, it's like, it's just easier to get high, you know, just give up on life. Right. Or is there like where, what can I find purpose out of what happened to be, you know, go on and help Magnum and, and help him move through his trauma and yourself and other people. Right. Because I truly believe you are here to be of service to others. Right. And, you know, like it's, you're so kind and loving and giving. Right. And it's like, you've, you've never had that back. Right. It's just kind of like shit after shit, after shit, after shit. And I'm like, man, she fucking just keeps coming for more. <laughs> Here's another bullet. You missed me the first 50 times. <laughs> but I just, I feel like, you know, when we were talking about this and I'm like, you have to tell your story because, uh, you know, it was, it was crazy because after Cash passed away and you can't, you know, you were very open in saying how you felt. And speaking your feelings and, and, you know, people, we were still in like COVID people were like really fucked up. Right. And the, the mental, like the mental health crisis, we will never recover from that ever. Like it's, it's, it is just going to go on and on and on. Right. So I remember watching like your Facebook lives and you would just go on and you would be like, maybe no one's watching. Maybe they're watching. And you just were talking. And it's like, I don't know if you understand the impact you had on people and you know you again were healing right in your own because everyone heals in their own way and for you it was you know you just needed to talk and and the more we talk and the more we share and the more vulnerable we are the more we truly connect with people and um that is where true connection comes from and that's when I started to see like this really huge, like change in you. Right. And, and almost like life coming back to you. And it was like the healing was starting and well, and sometimes, you know, it's like, I'm at, I mean, I don't know how you could be any more rock bottom than where you were at. Right. And it's like, fuck, where do I go from here? Like, it, we can only go up, right? That's it. Because if I go down, I'm, I'm gone. And then, you know, then what, what is happening to Magnum? What is, um, because I'm never the type of person to say, well, it's, it's too late. That's just the way it is. And it's, I don't fucking believe that. Right. And I think that's such a shitty, shitty way to live. That's just a cop out. Um, because it's, it's not 
it's like we can't change these things that happen. They happened, right? And yeah, and they, you can't go back and we can keep reliving it over in our head, right? Because the past is just like those snapshots and, and that's really just all they are and they just sit there, right? And there's, um, you know, depression is is really living in the past and anxiety is that fear of of the future, right? Like the unknown, the what's going to happen. And, but what about the present, right? So you're now left with, how do I pick up the pieces from, you know, losing one son? I still have another son who has got his own stuff going on. And I, as a mom, have to learn how to fucking like get myself put together. And, and meanwhile, you're still helping out your mom, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, so where, like, where did you see the biggest change in yourself? Like, how can you say that it was like the, and I don't want to say there was just one day where you woke up and you're like, okay, this is, you know, I, I want to know about that because I want people to understand that when they go through things, right. That it's, it's okay to like curl up and, and take your time and, and you're going to have really great days and you're going to have days that are fucking suck and um, to like really truly embrace that. But I want to know, like, where do you feel? Cause when you, you go back like two and a half years to, to now, where do you think the biggest changes happen and how do you like, where, where do you see yourself going? Like where that's, I want to know all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when all that happened, um, I decided we couldn't stay in the home and, uh, Magnum needed to leave immediately. So I, um, I, I bought a, uh, uh, just a $5,000 1982 motorhome, drove him out to Kelowna, dropped him off in a safe campground, um, and, uh, left him there and said, stay here. Like I'll send you money for food. And he was close to uh, a store. So, and I let management know what the situation was. And I said, I got to fly home and I got to pack up the house. So I flew home. That was a, a Thursday. And I was moving out the next Thursday and I was still in Kelowna. I was like, oh my God, possession of the house takes. So I decided I can't stay there. I've got to sell the house. So I had, um, you know, there was $20,000 worth of damage that needed to be done in the house to put it up for sale. So that all got done. I went home, didn't hire movers. I didn't realize I I was like, because I couldn't plan. I was just in this. I couldn't, my, my brain was just cement. So I went home and my niece's husband, Jordan, has just been, he's the only man who's ever stayed in our family. He's the only man in our family. And he's the only man who's ever stood up and stayed with us through the shit. And honestly been there in a heartbeat. He, him and I moved my entire home, uh, family home in Stonebridge. Um, we were still moving stuff off the back and pe- the new people were coming in the front. We had no movers. And he, he, he just... He stayed till the bitter end. And so, my gosh. So when cash died, I realized, holy shit, material things do not matter. Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters in this world is people Mm -hmm. and our connection to them and making sure they're okay and making sure we are present for them because we don't know and really being aware because we're so caught up with everything going on around us. 
we're not even paying attention to those who live under i mean we see them but we don't see them and we're not seeing what issues they are having and it's all clear now i could look back and 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 i could see what cash was going through and i thought this is where it ends all i want to do is love people and love those close to me and make sure that anybody that i come in contact with knows that I value them as a human being and I see you and that I'm here for you to reach out to, although I might not be able to help you very much, but I can listen. But I am here. It, it was right then that I realized that we need each other and we need people. And I thought, that is what I want my job to be. I just like at the time. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, first I have to save my son because he was not doing well mentally. And throughout the past two and a half years, I actually didn't know whether I was going to lose Magnum because he simply could not cope with what had happened. He is now a single child. He's got no one else in this world because his dad isn't anyone that he can reach out to. Yeah. So at that point, um, I thought, I just need to be raw. I don't know who I am. But I need to get it out. I felt like it, you know how you try holding down puke mm-hmm. when you're like, it's coming up. Yeah. And you're like, no, it's yeah. not. No, I can keep this down. If I could just stop from puking, I'll be fine. And it was like this vile blackness that just came out of me. And I thought, if I don't write, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And I thought, I don't want people to know who I am at my funeral. I don't want them to find out I've had 22 funerals since the death of cash or 22 deaths, I should say. And when I attended these funerals, I thought I never knew who these people were. Mm-hmm. I saw them, but I didn't see them. And that was my biggest regret is that we don't know. And, like There's amazing people all around us. But if I don't pour this out and share with people, I'm not going to survive for me. And maybe what I got in return was, wow, you have no idea how much this helped me. Yeah. Sometimes when we post all the good stuff on social media, because we don't want to post negative. But I thought, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I got nothing left to lose. This is who I am. And if you don't like my Facebook, get yeah. off of it. Yeah. And if you just think I'm being negative, get off of it. Or if you think I'm taking too long to heal and my trauma couldn't have been that bad and I should be back to work get off my Facebook, get out of my life. Yeah. Your exit door. Cause yeah. I'll not have it here. Yeah. I started really showing up and it started bringing out in me who I really am because when you've lost everything and it's a really scary place to be because you're not afraid to stand up to anyone. You've now survived the worst. Yeah. And none of you scare me. Like nothing scares me anymore. So there's that silver lining. So and when I realized how, how much I was helping people, I was like, oh, I'm helping you by sharing my, wow. Yeah. It really, I think we tend to see people as not real. And when right. they see their real human tragedies and their deepest feelings, we feel more connected to them mm-hmm. and more not so alone in this world. Yeah. There's like somebody else suffering with me. Yeah. So that was my whole thing. And from there on forward, I sold the house. I bought a motorhome. That first year, I was very angry. I thought I've done everything to be the best person I know how to be. Mm-hmm. The best mom, the best friend. I did the right thing when it didn't make sense. 
I poked holes in the darkness um, until it bled light when I just had nothing else. I kept grasping. So I took off in the motorhome to BC because I needed to be near Magnum or him. And I just, my word that year was I was just going to float. I was just going to float because the world now was obviously not not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I was awake as I'd ever been, and I was ready for any truth that you gave me, and I was digging for it. So I watched Netflix documentaries about things that were real. I couldn't watch the news before Cash died because it was so much heinous, so mm-hmm. much sadness, and I felt for people. It hurt me. Yeah. So, But not being open to it led me to a world with just blinders on as I thought it was. And I lived in this bubble. Now I was raw. I was seeing the world for what it was. And I was hungry for it. Give it to me because I need to make this madness make sense. Mm -hmm. So I watched documentaries. I read books. I read about, I ate a lot. I gained weight. I ate a lot. Ate my emotions. And um, I was just in the wilderness. The next year, I thought, which is this year, two years, right? The second year, I was like, I'm going to focus and I am going to, my my key word was going to be focus and, oh, I can't remember what the other one was. Anyway, I became determined. I'm like, I am going to be the poster child who makes it through this. Mm -hmm. That time I had periods of was like, bad things just kept happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "I, I can't do this. I'm like, okay, I can leave this world. I could leave this world. I can't, like, I can't live with this pain anymore. This is everyday pain. I do not understand how I'm supposed to go forward. I was a single mom and I have these kids in my life and now I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Cash is gone. My house is gone. Everything that I built up to the age of 50 just went, built it up and fought, 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 fight, fight, fight. I got here, gone. So all gone. Everything's gone mm-hmm. that I built. I might as well. I'm back in my mom's, uh, in her house in the teenage bedroom I got nothing it looks as if I've done nothing in the past 50 years so uh, that's so I went through periods of I'm not going to be here I have an idea but I don't want to I don't want to take my life because I know what that does to others mm-hmm. so what I'll do is I'll sit them all down I'll sit them all down and I'll talk to them and say could you give me permission to leave it was at that moment I thought yeah. well, you're bargaining with your are okay, this is where this stops right here because yeah. Yeah. you can't your boy. And so that's where that stopped. I read every book I could get my hand on, hands on. I did everything that felt woo-woo. I'm like, um, there's a universe out there. Uh, you think there's another side? I want to hear mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. I uh, read books, listened to podcasts, anything to get um, some perspective on real life and the things that nobody wants to talk about. And um, I I started Kirtan chanting, um, which is bhakti yoga. Mm -hmm. And uh, people would call that great woo-woo. Oh, yeah. Um, I've done it. (laughs) But I was like, I don't care if it's woo-woo. I'm going in. I'm I'm willing to do anything to get out of this pain. Um, You know, and so uh, I spent hours uh, studying Qigong with a, mm-hmm. a, a master a master Chen Yi Lin, and he's a world healer. Um, I saw Chinese doctors in uh, Calgary with uh, natural supplements, and uh, the ones who just look at you and look at your tongue and your eyes and know what's wrong with you, 
Um, there was nothing I stopped at. I purchased, um, you know, training on healing and burnout and trauma. And then finally, I was like, hey, let's do this. Let's rip this apart. I want to be normal, whatever that is. I want to be functioning. I want to go to work. I want to, I want to function. So I took time to do shadow work and I ripped apart everything from right from day one, what my traumas were and highlighted the ones that were the worst that impacted me the most. Right. Once I, it took me five days to do that. And once I did that, and once it was on paper, I felt so cleansed. Once mm -hmm. I could acknowledge the truth, what it was, then I could let go and I could move on. So I wrote, I also had a lot of guilt for being on disability because I'm the one who like you take a sick day and I can't rest. I might as well go in because I've left my team members. They need me. There's projects that needed to be done. Um, so I wrote down everything that I've done for healing to try to help myself. All the books that I've read, all the podcast things I've purchased, the keto diet I went on, the fitness trainer that I hired, anything that was going to pull me in that direction so that I could also prove to myself that I have done everything. I'm not just wallowing in my grief. I'm honestly moving through it the best way that I know how, and it's working. Mm -hmm. So I, um, just this summer, I thought, well, in February, I've now booked a trip every February because February 6th was, was Cash's angel date that he left. February 14th was his, um, his due date with him, but he didn't come until the 23rd. So mm -hmm. the whole month of February is hard. Yeah. So I'm like, that's okay. I can turn this around. I am going to book a beautiful, wonderful vacation every February mm -hmm. so that I don't fear it. I have something to look forward to. Yeah. And so that's the first thing that I did. And I started planning my life better and planning fun, making sure things happened. Um, and so and just saying yes to that, that was my everything. Uh, my first, the first thing for 20, my second year was I'm going to focus and I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to entertain everything and really yeah. look at it if it's yeah. brought to me. And I'm going to decide whether it's good or not. Right. So if not was brought to me, all different things. If someone said, you should check this out or you should read on this. I did it. I'm like, I'm staying open. I don't care how woo-woo it is. Yep. I'll take anything you have. For sure. Uh, and for the first time in my life, I wanted to say also that I, I really understood addicts, addiction. Mm -hmm. I never understood. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You are so weak. You'd rather right? pass your life yep. and lose your kid. Yep. And at that moment, I thought, I understand this pain. And if you were to offer me something right now and say, I can mm -hmm. take you on, I, I'm afraid of drugs. I didn't even know what marijuana was until two years ago, until when I yeah. tried it. I would have taken it. Yeah. And I find that many times in my life when I've judged people on something, whether it be for whatever reason, it's always come back to me mm -hmm. anytime. So when I just like the drug, I was like, I, I don't know what's wrong with you people. You're weak. I don't know. Mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to get breath. You need to wake up. Yeah. Um, I've always, I find that almost every time that I've judged someone on that level, I've had to go through it myself and learn a really hard lesson. And so it's. But that's also uh, society, right? Society sure. narrative 
loves to tell us, you know, these people, I I mean, I I can, I can tell you right now, no one wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what? I think my lifelong goal is to be a drug addict. Like no, nobody, nobody. Now there are people who have, you know, one night been just taken something and it's been bad, right? There are other people who are like my cousin is just like, instead of dealing with anything, it is easier to, to just keep getting high. It is just easier because it is fucking hard to do the work. It is fucking hard. Okay. And that's, that's what I tell like women that I coach, it doesn't matter if it's for business, you know, for setting boundaries, it's a life. It doesn't matter. It is it's fucking hard. Okay. It's that's why not everybody does it because it's way easier just to keep doing the same thing, feeling sorry for yourself, be the victim, blaming everything. Right. And, um, and there are people who do that. There's people I know that will go through the rest of their life. Nothing was ever their fucking fault. Right. And never healing from anything because they're like, well, that's stupid. I don't need, you know, I'll just, my ego will come out and, and, and take over, but it is, it's like, I mean, I think of myself and I'm like, holy shit, I have a super addictive personality. Right. And I was, yeah, I was too afraid ever. We're talking about, you know, like you talk about cocaine and shit. I mean, I'll tell you, I was too afraid that I would love it too much to ever be like, should I do it or not? Right. And, and it is, it's like when you, are in that unhealed mode, it is very, it's just easier to just take it away. And there's a lot of unhealed people out there, like a fucking ton of them. Now that I have hurt so deeply, I mean, there have been, it it was a pain that brought me to my knees and I wailed from the depths of my soul, I almost vomited tears to get that pain because the pain you couldn't stand or sit with it. Up, down, walking around, trying to run from it. And the worst thing is trying to sit through that. And I just thought, uh, uh, I can't stay here. Like this is the worst pain. I can't survive this. I can't stay here. I have, I have no choice but to try to do this. And now, but now I have so much more compassion for people. Yeah. When they say they're hurting, I feel your hurt. And, and, and then they say, but it's nothing. It's nothing compared to losing a child. And that's the part that I don't like. It's like, I appreciate that. Yeah. You don't have to say that. It's your pain. And it's the worst pain that you've ever felt. And that is comparable. Right. And, and so, but I, but people often hate to, you know, to dump on me and be like, oh, I had to put my cat down and it's horrible. I cried for days. And I mean, I know I shouldn't be saying this to you because you've lost a child. I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. That is your pain. Yeah. To own. Like, yeah. don't apologize to me. Um, you know, so it's, all, I've also been on the other side of things where people, I, I think, shy away from me and, and don't want to talk to me because. They, they don't know what to say. To For me. sure. Do I talk about cash? Do I say well, how she's doing? Do I? Yeah. And it's, un- it, it is uncomfortable, right? It's, it's like, um, <laughs> people, oh, it, it's so funny, right? Because people are almost bothered by it more in their 
it, that's a, a, a them problem. Right. And it's like when you go through divorce, you go, whatever people don't know. They're like, all right, I talk to you and and still talk to him. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm I'm the one who went through it. What are you all stressed out for, for Christ's sake? Like, you know, um, but but it's it's the same thing. Right. And we're always in this comparison mode. And it's like, Kate, everybody has pain has trauma it's all going to be different our stories are all different our roads are all different we're not all meant to to have the same journey right and it's and i understand the fact that is like okay you know my cat died but you know nothing compared to that and it's no it it there's no comparison right it's like everybody goes goes through these emotional state right they and it's everybody has these different different experiences and um you know i just think it, it's something that we all have to move forward and we have to learn to kind of get comfortable with the uncomfortable conversations because not talking is is the worst thing you can possibly do Right. And it's just if you're just there to listen, not even talk. We always feel like we need to fucking say something. Right. And, um, you know, like my my cousin's wife, her dad just passed away. Right. And it's like, OK, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to be like, hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Right. No, I get it. Right. It's that awareness. But it's like, hi, I'm just thinking about you wanting to know if you need anything. I know you're going to say no. Right. <laughs> But when you're back, like I'm here and, you know, if you just need somebody to listen, whatever, it's just, it's just that, Kate, you don't have to like come up with conversations. You can just be like, Hey, do you want me to come over and lay on the couch and we can just watch a movie? Right. Like we're just, we have to get over the always thinking we need to say something and being uncomfortable with the silence. Most humans are very uncomfortable with silence and they're very uncomfortable with sitting just, you know, with their thoughts. And that's because they haven't dealt with their shit. Right. And when you have, and you've gone through the healing process, you like learn to be like, fuck, it's pretty, I'm being alone. (laughs) You know, it's very healing. It's very fucking calming. Right. Because I don't, you know, shit. Yes. Pops into the mind and whatnot, but when you can learn to be like, Hey, that's, I don't have to be consumed with that. Right. And it's like, I am growing as a person and it's so important. So, so important to be able to like be with yourself. Right. And be with your thoughts and acknowledge them. Right. Cause too many times we're trying to just push them away, push them away, push them away. And it's like, no, you need to think of them as a person. Right. If a person came up and they're like, hi, would you just be like, no, you'd be like, hi. Okay. How's it going? Great. Okay. Small talk. Bye. Right. It's like acknowledging them, especially those uncomfortable thoughts. So those uncomfortable thoughts are like those people you don't really fucking like, but you know, you're, they're an acquaintance. Right. And then the thoughts that you really want to deal with, those are like the really good friends that you have those great conversations. Yeah. So I know we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but I, I like, yes. I could talk to you forever, but 
Oh man. I, I, I just say that I did one, one more thing that was important to yeah. me is um, I realized through all this that I read a book called Walking Each Other Home, um, like around us. And um I realized that that's what we're doing here. We are all here to help support each other and just walk each other home. All we're here, that's what we're here for is human connection. And yeah. all of the people that showed me love it was the minus 50 something that week the cash died yeah and people that came and there was covid and people were petrified and they still came and hugged me and came to see that i was okay and brought me stuff and people left stuff on my doorstep and people who stopped like after working all day when it's that cold out it just takes so much energy just to survive and they went and brought food. They went and purchased food. They stopped in after work when they were exhausted. And they had a million other things going on. That kind of love I won't forget. I yeah. didn't know how to look after someone who was hurting so bad. There are so many people that I didn't even know came to me. Yeah. Just yeah. supporting me and loved me with whatever they could. Yeah. And their gratitude for that. And that in turn softened my pain. Yeah. Because I just felt so loved and supported by by so many people who were just hurting with me. And it was the most beautiful thing. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I just yeah. want to be That's that awesome. Back. That is so yeah. awesome. Well, I am, I love, I mean, I love, I, I freaking love you. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, your story and sharing, I mean, it takes a lot of courage. Um, so I just want to thank you. Yeah, that. And, yeah, and I'm so excited to just see what you're gonna do next, and yeah. and you know how you are gonna move forward um, in helping people, right? Uh, and um, and and really, I'd say you know honoring cash, right? Because yeah. because that is, you know, at the end of the day, um, even though he's not here, right? It's like. they're never forgotten and it's like how how do you want people to remember him and how do you want to honor him and have magnum look at you right so that one day could be like hey fuck we went through this but here's where we are right see i just get like chills oh my god um but i just and you know what it's whoever you know listens to this that may have gone through you know traumas of abuse divorce like losing a child those things it's just to know that there you're not alone right and um sometimes you know you just need to connect with somebody and you just need to share your shit right and um yeah we're definitely going to drop you know your your business contact info um everything in the in the show notes and a little bit about you and um we'll probably have you on again because we could just go on and on about things so yeah Yeah. i love it i love it well thank you so much and um thank you everyone for tuning in and we will chat with you next time We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hustle Culture Hater Club podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the HCHC.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at Instagram.com slash the Hustle Culture Hater Club. 
If you'd like to speak with us, please send us an email through podcast at thehchc.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe and stay fully up to date. Until next time.